are glad to have you joining us today on the Care to Change podcast. In this episode, we continue our series on Men Matter Too, with a discussion about obsessive working and mental health between April and our counselor, Jared Jones. Thank you for being a part of this conversation, as we hope to offer you practical solutions for positive change. Welcome back, everyone. This is April Bordeaux. And as always, thank you for choosing to spend your time with us today. We're in the month of June talking about men and men matter too, and men's mental health. And uh, we have a great lineup this month. We kicked off last week with Seth sharing when you think your man needs help and you're not sure what to do. And uh, today we have another great topic. It's obsessive working in mental health. And while this is related specifically to men, my guess is what Jared, who's with us today, is going to share probably can apply to the ladies too. Hello, everyone. Good to have you here, Jared, as always. Good to be here. Jared loves to talk about mental health, and so he's a great person to have here today. All right, so the topic is obsessive working in mental health. So... Jared, why don't you just kick us off by maybe defining what obsessive working might be and then just tell us what does obsessive working have to do with mental health? Yeah, so obsessive working, it sounds pretty straightforward, like it's self-explanatory. Obsessive working is when you tend to find yourself beginning to dwell on work a lot. Your thoughts are dominated by what's happening with work. And when I say work, I don't necessarily mean your job. It could be your job. It could be what career or what position you're in at the moment. But it could also be something like if you have a project going on, if you have a side thing going on, something that is work for you, and you're finding that more and more of your time is dominated by this. You have difficulty compartmentalizing that. So in times when maybe you're finished with this work or, um, you know, you're going back, transitioning to a different activity or some other part of your life, you're still dwelling on it. You're still thinking about it. Maybe you're spending excess amount of resources on this, whether that be money or whether that be time or whether that be, you know, dominating your social interactions. The people that you're spending time with or the time that you're using to be social is centered around this work. And it begins to invade other times of your life. So you're thinking about this when you need to be thinking about other things. You tend to find a majority of your time is dominated by that work. And what also shows that it's obsessive is that it begins to separate you from the other areas of your life. So the other things that we need to have balance in our life, family, social relationships, rest, leisure activities, church, if you are a person of faith, like your obsessive work will take you away from those and you'll feel less and less connected and more and more distance from those areas of your life. I love the way that you just defined it, not just by the time spent in the office or at the location of your vocation, but it's also the mental and emotional energy given toward work because you can be at church, but your body can be at church, but your mind and your thoughts can be at work. Yes. Okay, so that's great that you've added that in here. What is the interplay or the correlation between, you know, having these obsessive thoughts or spending a a lot of time on work or like you said, work projects? What does it have to do with mental health? I mean, isn't it healthy, right? That's what I can hear. I can hear, isn't it healthy for us to work, Jared? So talk about that. So like most things, the healthiness is found in the balance, 
It is good for us to work, but work actually has a toll on our body. So whenever we are doing what we'd consider work, it creates stress for us. And we throw that term around a lot, but I want to distinguish with stress. There are two different kinds of stress that we can feel in our life. The common one that we're used to is distress, meaning negative stress, bad stress. But there's also a different type of stress. We don't know this one as often, but it's, it's a real word. It's called eustress. It's spelled with E-U and then stress. And that's good stress. That is the, the normal, healthy challenge that we get when we're doing work or we're doing a job or some kind of activity that makes us feel engaged. It engages our nervous system and gives us that stress response, but it's actually a good thing. Generally speaking, stress is our body and mind's response to having a limited amount of resources to do some kind of activity. So if you think about it, I can be stressed from all the demands that are given to me by my job at work, but I can also be stressed with having um, a problem around the house that I want to fix. Say I want to remodel one of the rooms in my house, and I know that I'm going to feel good doing it. Maybe it's an activity I enjoy doing. I like repainting walls and replacing trim and doing things like that, but it still is a limited amount of resources. I only have a certain amount of time, a certain amount of money, a certain amount of availability to be able to do this project that causes stress. That use stress is also something that we can um, feel in our leisure activities. So like putting together a puzzle, you have a limited amount of uh, energy to be able to give to some of these leisure activities and it, it engages you. It's challenging. You're actually focused on that and our brain responds to that stress the same way, except that our brain has a negativity bias when it comes to the stress that we feel in our life. So when we have that you stress, that good stress that challenges us, that helps us draw nearer and feel more satisfied with the work that we do. But if we have that distress, it tends to dominate our mind and we feel worn down and tired by that. And we know that stress on our mind will have a physical reaction in our body too. When our mind feels stressed, it releases cortisol, cortisol goes into our bloodstream, and it's not meant to be there long-term, but cortisol helps our um, body get sugars into the bloodstream and into the muscle tissues that we can use that energy, and it, it gets energy like sugars up to our brain, so we can be using that to work through that challenge. And then ultimately, once the, the stress is done, that cortisol leaves our bloodstream, and then we can rest and relax again. But if we're constantly involved in a work, especially in distressing work that continues to put cortisol into us, which is not meant to stay in our bloodstream long, but when it's there the whole time, it wears us down and actually can lead to a lot of both mental and physical health issues. That makes so much sense. I feel like you just so succinctly gave the impact of work or obsessive work on our mental health. It kind of leads into the question of if your spouse or if you know that, wow, okay, I didn't realize I was obsessing about work. I was working too much. It's unhealthy for me. Right. I guess there's two, there's a two part question. One, what do I do about it if it's me? Or B, what do I do about it if it's my spouse? Right. So you need to recognize that your stress response system has a difficult time distinguishing between the thoughts and the imagination that you have on your mind and the actual situation. So when you are thinking about the the work that you're going to need to do or trying to problem solve or doing any of that stuff, that begins to put that stress on your mind. And when that stress happens on your mind, it has that same physical response in your body. So it's almost like you are continuing to do work in those times when you're just thinking about it outside of that. 
And so if you or you notice this in your spouse is thinking about it a lot, you want to challenge them to try and let that go, to understand when they're thinking about it, to catch themselves and say, this is not the right time I need to think about this. I need to set this down and come back to this when the time's appropriate for it. So a gentle reminder saying, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about work right now. I'm spending time with my kids. I'm spending time with my family. I'm spending time with friends. I'm sitting on the couch, relaxing, watching a movie. I don't need to think about this right now. I'm going to set these thoughts to the side. I'll figure it out later. I trust that I'll be able to handle this at the right time. And I'm going to focus on what I'm doing here and now. Because when you're in those times where you're just spending time with others or just having leisure time or even in other responsibilities in your life, most of those activities don't cause those levels of stress that work causes us. And so if you're focused on the here and now, your body's not going to be pumping you full of cortisol. You're actually going to be able to rest and let your body recuperate. But if you're thinking about it, you're thinking about work in those times that you're not working, then that's going to almost be like you're doing more work. Bringing your attention back to the here and now and reminding yourself, I'm just here watching a movie, socializing, you know, I'm even winding down for bed. A lot of people think about work right before going to bed. Remind yourself, I don't need to think about that right now. I'm going to set that down and I'll pick it back up when I get back to work or when I'm um, driving on my way to work, wh whatever is the beginning of your work process the next day. Just so to actually set times beginning and end to allow yourself to be in the workspace versus just allowing it to creep in where I heard three words that I want to highlight here, mm -hmm. what you just said. Well, three concepts. The first one is, you know, when your thoughts are, are there, but you know, to tell yourself, this is not the time to be thinking of it. And I, I thought of the scripture, take captive every thought. Yep. There's so many reasons why I think that was in the Bible to tell us. But in this case, you know, if you find yourself wandering about work or worrying about work and you're not at your workplace to take those thoughts captive and to say now's not the time the the second piece of that is that mindfulness piece mm -hmm. being present with who with whom you are with right so yes who am i with right now i'm going to be present with them which means i'm going to put my phone down so i'm not checking uh, texts that are coming in or messages that are coming in or emails that are coming in, I'm going to be fully present so as to not be distracted by work and it becomes unhealthy again. So I heard taking captive, I heard mindfulness, but then you said a word that might be key in all of this and that's trust. Mm -hmm. Trust that it'll be there. You know, we know the opposite of worry is trust. And so I guess maybe not to step on any toes, but what's the reason why? You know, to add, if it's you, it might be not, not be appropriate to ask your spouse this, but for yourself, like, what's the reason why that work is taking up so much emotional space or time from life, you know? And is it a matter of not trusting that you have a purpose or there is a plan or that you're not the one in charge of or in control of all things yeah. and ultimately really trusting God, right? Exactly. Uh, because what I hear from women in marriage counseling, when they talk about their men who work all the time or, or men who talk about how their wives work all the time, the, the answer is met with, but there's so much to do because I'm so responsible for this because it all falls on my shoulders or will I have to provide for my families or whatever. And it's like, well, is the underlying issue there trust, right? Do you really trust that God's got you? You know, what would happen if 
when you came home, you were truly at home and fully present. Yeah. So is it a defense from really being present because you don't want to face what present means? Or is it you don't trust that God's got you and it's okay? Now, there are seasons, right? Seasons of busyness or seasons where work may require more. There, there, there can be seasons, but lives, like you said, where it begins to overtake, is that really an issue of do you trust God? Right. And, you know, I hear all the time parents coming in with their kids saying, like, they always bring their phone to the dinner table. Like, we're trying to have a conversation and they're on their phone the whole time. Like, it feels bad when people aren't present in those times that we need to have that connection. Mm -hmm. But having those thoughts and obsessing over work and constantly thinking about it does the same thing as if you had something else occupying your attention at the time, whether that be phone or video games or, you know, whatever else we get on other people for. Yeah, and... I know the research really shows, and it's counterintuitive, that the less time spent, the more productive, because there's a point where the obsession becomes perfection, Um, you know, like, okay, if I just do one more minute, which turns into 10 more minutes, which turns into 30 minutes, which turns into an hour, and uh, I remember hearing Craig Rochelle one time say, you know, let the good enough be good enough, right? Don't strive for perfection, strive for excellence, that was kind of the, you know, there's there's nothing that's perfect and we can continue to to work toward perfection. But the reality is if we're thinking about work all of the time, we're not giving our mind the space needed to be creative within the workspace time. Mm-hmm. And so we might actually become less productive in that amount of time, you know? So it's like, we'll shorten the amount of time that's allotted, maybe be present during that time with the work, Right. So that you can then leave it and be present. Like you said earlier, the obsession becomes when you can't compartmentalize. Like right now I'm in my workspace, my work mindset. That's what I'm going to focus on. I'm not going to be distracted from that. Likewise, when I get home or when I'm at, you know, a birthday party or I'm at dinner or I'm at church or wherever it is, I'm going to be present there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, it, it sounds counterintuitive to say, well, shorten the time. But if you know the time, you'll, you'll fill the time, right? It's like, yes, you're going to fill the time. Just shorten the amount of time that you give yourself permission to think about and to do work so that it's more focused. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's what's important about kind of my first point that I wanted to share is that humans are built for a work rest cycle. If you are a person of faith, you've heard before, like God created the world in six days and on the seventh day he rested. And so we have the whole you know, Old Testament story of the Sabbath and how they had the seventh day rest. And that was like a thing for them. And us being Christians on the other side of that, we're not held to that strict legalism of Sabbath, but there's still a wisdom from that that we can take. Humans tend to do worse the more they just continuously do work. The more that we are just letting work dominate our lives, the worse we are at the work. And yeah, you might be getting stuff done, but what quality is it? Mm -hmm. Are you enjoying yourself in that? Because we're not built for work that's meant to completely exhaust us and burn us out because then you'll never do quality work again. We're meant to have that cycle of working and doing a good job and then intentionally resting. And that resting is not distracting ourselves from the work. It's not doing things that try and take stuff off of our mind. It's choosing to set down that work and intentionally focus on the things that are recharging and that are good for us. And everyone has a different work rest cycle. Not everyone has the same one, but generally speaking, you know, having that at least one day a week is a good work rest cycle to start with. Having a day or having a certain time of the week, you know, if you can't get a whole day in, 
where you can be intentionally doing things that refills you, not just distracts you. And when you do that, you'll notice that your productivity, your desire for work, will, your energy levels about doing work will go back up. Yeah. And you'll actually be more functional and more capable with the work that you're doing than if you just continued to kind of push through it and get it over with. Yeah, I, I hear you using two terms, rest and um, restore. You know, it's not just the 24-hour rest, which can end up being just distraction, like you said. Mm -hmm. It's rest for the purpose of restoring. So what do you do during the rest cycle that restores you? So right. it's not just distracting resting from work it's restoring your yourself your body and your mind mm -hmm. to be refreshed for the next day exactly and so it just takes some practice learning kind of what your work rest cycle looks like i know a lot of people say like well i get enough rest like i i come home and i you know take off my shoes and watch tv and like you know watch netflix or you know i, I do those things i try and get enough sleep and while that's good, and sleep helps us to charge, recharge both, both emotionally and physically, you also need rest from your thoughts, from the responsibilities. You know, if you are going home and you're taking all of these thoughts with you, if you're obsessing over work, you're not getting rest. Right. You're still thinking about that. And so you need to compartmentalize that. Like as soon as you leave work or as soon as you pull in the driveway or whatever your life looks like, when you move to that other part of your life, you need to leave that work behind and you need to focus on what do I need to do right now? Right. What's going to recharge me or what do I need to give in this moment? Because I know a lot of men that I work with, they they have work and then they come home and like their their wife has been home all day or their kids have been at the daycare or at school all day. And now all of a sudden their kids demand their attention. There's, you know, homework to help get done. There's looking after the kids you know, they're running around the house, making sure that, you know, they're not destroying things around the house. There's getting ready for bedtime, getting kids down for meals. There's all that kind of stuff. And if we don't compartmentalize work, we're not going to be present to be there in that moment to do the other responsibilities in our life. And when I've worked with men before where they're able to compartmentalize, leave work at work and come home and be present with your family, you actually can be a better dad, husband, brother, whatever that looks like for you. If you are able to compartmentalize and leave work at work, don't bring that home. And then that way you can be present with your family and you don't feel as exhausted in that because you're letting yourself take off the weight of the work that you have been focusing on all day. So that kind of leads me to my second point, which is working too much is just as harmful as working too little. We live in a culture that really values hard work, which is a good thing. And I think that that's a biblical lesson to learn is when you're working, do hard work, like have integrity, put in all the effort that you can, make sure that you're doing a good job and, and staying dedicated to the work that you're doing. We tend to have this uh, tendency to, to frown upon like people who don't put in work and when you do bad work or lazy work or you're not doing anything, which is bad for us. Like we're designed for work. We need to be working, but also... Just by avoiding that, you can fall too far on the other end of the spectrum, meaning that you're working too much. And that can be harmful to us. We talked about biologically how, you know, continuing to expose your body to that cortisol level over time can really hurt you. This is what often causes like cardiovascular diseases, heart attacks, um, you know, even like strokes and blood clots and things like that can all be caused by that overabundance of cortisol and that constant exposure to us over years and years. Uh, the data is out there. Stress kills us. Like if we do not intentionally rest, 
we are going to wear our bodies down and then it won't be good. But there's also, for those of you listeners who are of faith, there's a spiritual cost to too much work as well. So just as much as, you know, not connecting to God and not doing things that are, you know, glorifying to him by doing work, so too is if we're not taking in that wisdom of having that proper rest and recharging and, and resetting ourselves, that can take us away from God as well. There's an interesting story in the book of Numbers, um, Numbers 15, 32 through 36, that talks about, this is when the Israelites are in the wilderness and they're kind of on their way to the promised land. They've been established with the law, they've been given the commandments, and they all agree that they're going to follow these. And then there's this man who decides on a Sabbath day to go out and gather wood and probably gathering wood for a fire and doing things like that. And the man is caught and he's brought before Moses and Aaron and they turn to God and say, what should we do with this man? He was caught working on the Sabbath and God says, well, he should be stoned. Like everyone should stone him. And it comes out of like a shock to us. We're like, he was just gathering sticks like on, on his day off. That doesn't even sound like that much labor. Well, if you look at it, it's not just because he was working on the Sabbath. This wasn't just a, oh, he broke the, the law and that's why he deserves stoning. What he did was he knew very well that God had set aside the Sabbath to be a holy day and that God had commanded the Israelites to rest because that is our ideal state. <clears throat> and the Israelites were meant to be set apart as holy. They were meant to be a holy nation and a blessing to the, to the world. And so by him going against what God's commandment was, it was one, him just rebelling and acting in sin. He's saying, my will and my wisdom that says I can work on Sabbath is more important than God's will for that. And so that was a very toxic, rebellious state that he was in. He was willing to not listen to God, and that was bad for the nation Israel. But that even plays for us today, as we are, you know, people of faith, we're baptized, we receive the Holy Spirit, we're made to be holy ground. When we take our wisdom into our hands and we say, I can work six days a week, seven days a week. Like I I can work this. I don't need this rest. What you're saying is that your understanding of what you need is better than what God's understanding is and what you need. And that is toxic to our spiritual growth. Yeah, absolutely. It's pride speaking right there, right? Exactly. Yeah. So even though you might say, well, God built us for work. We're supposed to be doing work. Work is good. I'm making money. I'm providing for my family. Yes, those things are good but you are neglecting the big picture. You were built for work, but you were built for rest too. And doing too much work can take you, uh, can have a toll on your body and can have a toll on your spirit just as much as too little work. Yeah, yeah. So then transitioning into my third point, work always has a cost. We are given a finite amount of time in our life and we need to spend that time wisely. And, you know, God calls us to be responsible with the resources we're given. We're only given so many days. Every day is written down in in his book. And we want to make sure that we're making intentional use of that. And so if we're choosing to do work in our life, that work, choosing to do work means that we're choosing to not do other things. It's going to have at least a time cost. In our culture, we tend to value money a lot. So, you know, if I work Saturdays and I work part-time on Sundays and I'm making all this money and I'm, you know, working out the week, that's a good thing. I'm making money for God's kingdom. Like, even if you're someone who decides to give that money away or use that money for charity or or do good things with it or invest in your family, whatever that may be, you are still saying that's more important to me than what I can use that time for. And you see this become a problem, especially in men, but even in women who choose work over building their relationships with their family, who choose work over supporting like another cause that they could get into. Maybe 
They choose work over staying in some kind of Bible study group or life group or small group with church. Maybe they're choosing it over leisure time that they could be spending with friends and connecting with friends. You know, there's things that's going to cost you. And when you're choosing that work, you have to be intentional about the cost that it has with that. Yes, it's good to go out and work and do good work and earn money. And there's going to be some seasons where work needs to take the majority of your life. But if your work is costing your relationship with your kids, do you would you really choose that? If you knew that working 8, 10, 12 hours a day is that many more hours you don't get to be a dad or a mom, that many more hours you don't get to be a husband or a wife, like you got to consider that cost with that. No one says at the end of their life, I wish I would have worked that one extra hour or got right. that last point on that slide right mm-hmm. there. Like, I wish I would have seen my son more or made amends with my wife or whatever it is. Yes. And again, I'm advocating that there's a balance to have. Right. It's not that we should spend all of our time, you know, right. in building up our kids or building up our family or our relationships. We should be doing that. And ideally, work will help with that process. But when we're choosing work over these other areas, it is costing us something that we don't necessarily pay attention to. But when we're aware of it, we don't want to pay that cost. You know, so if, you know, if the listener is saying, okay, I need to make some change, I recognize I need to make some change, you know, two questions, what do they do about it? And then the second question is, if it's your spouse who needs to make the change, how do you encourage that in someone that you're living with, right? Yes. So I have three kind of practical takeaways that you can begin using, and you can start with any one of these. The first one is just practice intentional rest. Find your pattern, find your rhythm that works to be able to rest and offload a lot of the stress that you feel from work. This could look like having private time to yourself. We talk um, at Care to Change about having like that intentional prayer time, that time where you get alone with God, where you can just focus on your relationship with him. If you're not a person of faith, you can find other activities that are recharging for you. But you want these to be intentional, and you need to ask yourself after you're done resting, did this recharge me? Did this actually give me some life back from this activity? Or did it just feel like I was distracted for a little bit? Mm -hmm. You don't want distractions. You want something that is life-giving, is energy-giving to you, and that's going to be your intentional rest. And finding a, a good rhythm of that, whether that be one day a week or a couple of times for a few hours each a week, you know, whatever your rest cycle is, find that and begin to practice that. If you don't know where to start, start with one day a week. Pick something to do that you think is going to be recharging and do it on your day off. And this might look like doing this with family. This might look like doing this with friends. It might be something you do alone. But begin to practice that and make a regular practice of that. Don't just do it once or twice and then, oh, I feel recharged, and then go back to your constant work cycle. Make sure it's an intentional recharge for you every week. And then the second is let go of any expectations that aren't from God. A lot of times we put expectations on us, especially men, where we have to be working all the time. Or like when men talk to one another, it's like, oh, what was this week like for you? Oh, it was a busy week. I worked like 50 hours. And then you'll have another guy chime in. Well, I worked like 60 hours. That's nothing. Well, I worked like 80 hours. And we tend to like glorify working a lot. But these are unrealistic expectations we put on ourselves. Now, different people's work looks differently. It's not always a 40-hour work week. But... 
we don't need to be boastful of how much work that we're doing because that's not what God expects of us. What God expects of us is loving him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, with all of our mind. That's what he wants is that effort intentionally trusting in him and surrendering to him. So unless it's an expectation, unless it's like a a conviction that you feel like is really clearly coming from God, let go of that expectation for yourself because it's just going to create more stress. It's going to make you work more and it's just going to continue to carry you further from God and from the other areas of your life that you need to be pouring into. And then lastly, and this is a fun one, get into the habit once a week of sitting down, going over everything you did that week and ask yourself, what is one thing I could have done without? What is one thing I could have not done this week and still felt fine or felt better? What is one thing I could have given up? And that doesn't mean that you are going to start giving it up, but you need to be aware of the things that are taking your energy, your effort, and your attention that are just draining you and they're not getting anywhere. We overwork ourselves. We overload ourselves. And there's stuff that we can give up. And it's not bad to compartmentalize and set boundaries on things that we can't do because we only have a finite amount of time. If it's something that someone else can do, if it's something that doesn't really demand your time, you were uh, quoting Craig Rochelle earlier, don't aim for perfection, aim for excellence. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be perfect with something. You just have to do as best of a job as you can and then leave the rest behind. Mm -hmm. And so do that once a week. Ask yourself, what was something I did this week? Did it take me two hours, four hours, you know, uh, 12 hours that I didn't need to do that? I didn't need to sit down with that. And then if you feel so compelled, get rid of it. Stop doing that. Mm -hmm. Replace that with something else. Ask someone else to do that thing. Mm -hmm. Get that out of your schedule so that way you can make time for the things that really do matter for you. And you can find that right balance with rest, with work, and with other responsibilities in your life. Yeah, that's good. So how can someone encourage, you know, their spouse or someone they live with if they're seeing this be an issue, you know, to give them another list of things to do? isn't necessarily going to help them to rest. So what counsel would you give for someone who says, I see it in my spouse? You want to start with helping to empower the person that you think is not getting enough rest. Men need to know that it is just as much of a valuable accomplishment to rest and to be present in other areas as it is to go and do the work that they've been called to do all day. So while acknowledging the work that they do, hey, you've worked really hard this week, but I've noticed that you have done better when you didn't take on all these responsibilities or you've been more present with us when, you know, you hadn't had all these responsibilities going on and begin to just kind of plant those seeds for them. If it's a, a man in your life that you're trying to build this up in, you want to show that he is capable and can do that rest as a part of something that that he's providing, he's showing up for. Men are doers and fixers. They want to know that they can do something well, and they like to see the results and the acknowledgement for what they do. So acknowledge the rest as just as much of an importance and victory as doing the work there. You know, honey, I'm really glad that you put in some extra hours this week. I also really like when you take that time to spend it with with the family or take that time to go out with the guys and, and recharge or it seems to give you life when you do this and begin to just lay that foundation for them. They might not listen. That might not happen. But if you allow them to have those ideas and then encourage them to do that, 
then that might give them enough of a foundation for them to take that and begin to do it. And you want to acknowledge that for them. You know, honey, I'm really proud of you for taking that rest that you did this week. Or I saw that you on Saturday went out and did X, Y, and Z, and you came back with so much more energy. Mm -hmm. That seemed to be really life-giving for you. Thank you for doing that. Like you really showed up there. That means a lot because you're, you're helping your family by doing that. If you present that to them and show it that they're accomplishing something and providing something by taking care of themselves, that will really speak to a man's heart. That's good. That's good. What resources would you give for someone who's struggling or who wants to know more about this? Yes. So if you're a person of faith and you're curious about like the the Sabbath, the seventh day rest, that kind of thing, there is a great series by um, The Bible Project. They're a non-for-profit studio. They have a lot of podcasts. And they did one podcast series on what they call Seventh Day Rest Sabbath. And they have, it's 14 podcasts, but you only need to listen to the first few. And if you are interested in it, you can listen to all of them. But they really lay out the wisdom from scripture of what does it look like to embrace God's rest? Mm. And how can we practice that in a modern culture where, you know, we are all busy, go, all kinds of things, while also respecting that this wisdom, although it was put in a time and place that we're not familiar with, that's kind of an ancient now we can apply that wisdom to ourselves today. And I think that that gives a good foundation and a place to start. Like a lot of people will read that or they'll study the seventh day rest and then begin to practice it. So if you're interested in what the wisdom is behind that and how you can honor God and actually draw near to him by practicing rest, that's a good resource to start with. There's also uh, Winning the War in Your Mind by Craig Groeschel. That's a good book, and it helps you to challenge some of those thoughts that tell you that you should keep working or that you're not good enough and, and really helping you to focus on just being as good as you can and letting go what you can't. And then lastly, um, there's a series of books by Peter Scazzaro. Um, the original one is Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, but he also has an Emotionally Healthy Spirituality in Leadership book as well. I'd say either of those would be a really good place to start just to learn how to balance emotions and, and how to show up and be healthy for oneself emotionally on top of all the other responsibilities that we're called to. Such great wisdom here today, Jared. So many takeaways. I want to encourage the people who are listening um, to dig a little deeper on this, because if you know that um, you're someone that tends to work more or work tends to take up a lot of your mental space, I would encourage you to look look uh, deeper than that, to find out the why behind that, to find out what is it that you're seeking or hoping or fearing by spending that time, and then to take some of those practical steps that Jared mentioned today to make change so that you can be present uh, with the people who love you and who are supporting you. And for those of you who live with someone who does take a lot of time to, to use what Jared said, really to call out the best in them and to encourage them in what they are doing well, um, just giving them one more reason why they might be failing is sort of a cycle into, well, at least I can get some more stuff done at work and check some things off on my my work list if I'm failing in this relationship. So I really want to encourage um, you all to, to make today's podcast really just the beginning of looking at this issue and exploring it and taking steps to make change so that you can support your body and your health and really the relationships around you. So if there's anything that we can do, we have several uh, men on our team who work with leaders. Uh, we have women who work with leaders as well. 
and lots of our counselors work with marriages as well. So, you know, if this is impacting your marriage or impacting your relationships, or you really do want to find out why, what is my tendency and why do I work like this? We want to encourage you to reach out to us. It's really why we're here. It's why we do these podcasts. We want to have you think a little deeper, um, but also to make that change that you want, give you some practical ways to make that positive change that you want in your life. So please reach out to us. Jared, thank you again for being here. Appreciate that. It's good Um, to be here. If you all want to know more about the impact on mental health, Jared Jared is one of the many here that can help you. So please reach out to us. Thank you for joining us. Next week, we're going to be joined by Mike Spencer, who's going to talk about porn and mental health. So that's another interesting and relevant topic. So until we see you again, thanks all. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Care to Change podcast, where we offer you practical solutions for positive change. We invite you to follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and YouTube to hear more about our conversation topics. Check out the show notes below to see resources mentioned in this episode. If you have any questions or would like additional information, please reach out to us on our care line at 317-979-7133 or email us at help at care2change.org. We thank you again and hope you will join us for more of our podcast conversations.